Hello, I'm Lynn Prowse-Bishop and this is The Virtual Business Show. I wanted to preface today's show by saying that whilst some of the topics that you'll find covered on the show are my opinion, based on my experience of having been in business as a solo printer virtual assistant since February 2000, others like today's show, which cover topics related to legislation, come from a great deal of research and talking with people far smarter than me on these issues. In addition, today's topic covers solopreneur virtual assistants who work primarily on their own, so that is who do not employ staff. So I just want to make that very clear. Solopreneur virtual assistants, so VAs set up as sole operators, not as companies, partnerships or trusts, working primarily on their own, who do not employ staff. So what is today's topic? Team pages. I've noticed more and more of late many VAs setting up team pages or meet our team areas of their websites, which will show the members of the team that they'll use if there are jobs coming through that perhaps they don't have the skills for, and also, I guess, in a way to increase their service offering. Sometimes you'll see this referred to in various trainings and online as multi-VA practices. Now, if you have a multi-VA practice, I'm talking about those practices that do not employ the VAs that are included on the site. Seeing these pages popping up more and more regularly got me kind of thinking with the current situation in Australia with the attacks on sham contracting and independent contractors more generally. Are these VAs, both the main VA and the members of the so-called team, leaving themselves open to potential problems? Well, after a bit of research and discussion with some different people who are experts on this topic, it turns out it depends on the nature of the relationship between the head VA and the members of the team. If it's a means for centralising work, then this is a legitimate business model. If the members of the team are paying, say, for inclusion on the team page, then this is a kind of promotion deal, a little bit like a network arrangement, with the head VA acting like a marketing business, and this is fine as well. If the team members pay like a finder's fee to the head VA for any referral work, this too is a legitimate model. But if the main VA is taking all inquiries from the website and team page, allocating work to the various members of the team, is responsible for all contact with the client, institutes a contract with the client, is responsible for rectification of any problems that crop up from members of that team, if the head VA does all the invoicing of the client and the client's referred to team members remain with the head VA's business if the team member moves on for any reason down the track, so that is The relationship is between the head VA, and by head VA I'm talking about the owner of the site and the team page, so the relationship is between the head VA and the client, not between the client and the team member with the specialist skills offered and required, then this head VA is leaving themselves open to possible problems. They could well be deemed an employer of the team members, and that could lead to liability for retrospective superannuation, payroll tax and workers' compensation payments. Let's look at two scenarios, both legitimate, but the second can potentially lead to some issues for the head VA because it utilises these team pages. In the first scenario, let's say you offer transcription services and you're at capacity. You decide to subcontract out some of your transcription to one or more VAs who specialise in transcription in a way to grow your business. Your contract with the client says that you're able to do this. You still do the invoicing and get the VAs to help you out on an as-needs basis but they're free to refuse the work or give it to someone else. In this scenario, generally the head VA will charge the client and pay the subcontract VA subcontract rates for the job to account for the head VA doing the marketing, getting the client and so on. Now she's getting help on an occasional basis for overflow work. 
The subcontractors are not listed on a team page in this scenario. She pays them for the work, less a commission for passing on the work. Now in the second scenario, you're getting lots of inquiries for transcription, but you don't offer it. You decide in an effort to grow your business to put on a transcription specialist as a member of your team. You add a team page, including the profile of this new VA, with a link going back to you so that if a client wants transcription services, they have to contact you in order to arrange it. You take the brief and pass this on to the team member and you do the invoicing. Now this is as legitimate as the first example, but let's say we're now three or four years down the track and you have 10 people now on your team page with different specialist services. Money's going back and forth, your business is growing, and you're paying your team members. One of them says, I'm doing all my work through you, it's taking up all my time, I want to get paid more. So they go to the Fair Work Ombudsman for a ruling of the situation, who then starts an investigation into whether it's contracting or employment. There is a possibility your team could be found to be employees. Could is the operative word. There are so many variables and interpretations that the courts could bring to bear on this scenario that anything can be the result. And it will depend not only on formal contractual arrangements in place between you and the team members, but also all of the behaviours between all of the parties. So that covers the industrial relations aspect, but what about payroll tax? If you grew and grew and wound up earning more than, say, a million dollars a year, you could be investigated by the payroll tax office. You'd say, but they're all contractors. But the Payroll Tax Act covers contractors as well as employees. You might be thinking, but I'm not going to make over a million dollars in a year. Are you kidding? Well, unfortunately, payroll tax thresholds vary from state to state. For example, Queensland's threshold is quite high, but Victoria has a threshold of $700,000. The more subcontractors you use or members of your team you have, the faster you can reach these thresholds. Faster than you imagine because you're replicating yourself over and over exponentially by the number of VAs on your team. So potentially, any VA with these kinds of team pages could be opening themselves up to future payroll tax issues. If you're confused, get this. In the early 1990s, the High Court in Victoria, when deciding the payroll tax implications in relation to the use of contractors, said the Act was so confusing they didn't understand it. And therefore, it means whatever the bureaucrats choose it to mean. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was the gist of their ruling. The same applies with workers' compensation payments. Workers' compensation schemes also pull in contractors under certain circumstances, so there could be an argument that the engaging party, who's the head VA, has a workers' compensation liability. And finally, superannuation, another hugely confusing area. Under current legislation, as the team members are supplying their labour and being paid for it, It could be argued the head VA is responsible for superannuation guarantee payments, and again, it will depend on the court's interpretation. Superannuation guarantee legislation arbitrarily puts the decision entirely in the hands of what's been termed the Australian Taxation Officer's Smell Test. Do they smell self-employment or an employer-employee relationship? A traditional VA setup of a solopreneur working for a number of clients, even though they are being paid for their labour, supply their own equipment, work from home and so on, so the ATO is likely to smell this as self-employed. But the team member situation could be smelt by the ATO very differently. If the head VA is responsible for invoicing the client, paying the team, the team works from their home, supplying their own equipment and so on, common sense would dictate that they are all self-employed. But that's not the way the ATO has been behaving lately, nor the courts. 
One recent case was a translation company who used subcontract translators all working from home independently with their own equipment, but the business looked after all the invoicing and dealing with the client. The Administrative Appeals Tribunal in Australia ruled in favour of the ATO and hit that business owner with retrospective superannuation payments. But imagine finding yourself in three or four years' time after having built this great team of people, you're suddenly investigated by the various authorities and you have a series of retrospective bills imposed on you that you had no concept you were walking into. It could potentially bankrupt you. The ATO website has two tools that you can use to determine superannuation guarantee liability. The Employee Contractor Decision Tool is first used to decide whether the person is an employee or contractor for superannuation purposes. Then the Superannuation Guarantee Eligibility Tool is used to work out if they're eligible for superannuation guarantee payments. I've used the first tool a few times, particularly in relation to the relationships I have with my own clients, and invariably the answer I get back is that the person is a contractor, which means my clients don't have to worry about super and I don't have to worry about the super side of it with any contractors I use. I'll include the links to those particular two tools on the show page so that you can go to them and check them out yourself. Okay, so you're a sole operator virtual assistant wanting to grow your business. You know that you've only got a limited number of hours in the day, so income is limited and you want to be able to add people to your team. How do you avoid the potential hassles associated with this? Well, you can definitely use team pages, but it would be my recommendation based on all the advice that I've been getting from the various authorities that in order to remove any suggestion that you're employing these team members, you ensure if you have any contact links for them, they go directly to the team member involved or out to that team member's site, which will highlight that they are independent from you and your business and enable the client to brief that team member directly. Now, I have to say that of the team pages I've seen of late, none of them do this. They list the team member's name, bit of experience, what their specialty is, but none of them link out to that third party's page or have a contact link to contact that person directly. None of the team pages I've seen have this arm's length feature. This also highlights the difference between networks and these team pages. All legitimate networks will provide a direct link to member sites with contact details, which of course enables clients to contact those members directly. Now you can make it further arm's length by ensuring you include the VA team members' business names on their profile, further showing that they actually aren't a part of your practice, but run their own independent practices. If you want to control the workflow, for example, a client rings wanting web design and you have a specialist web design VA on your team, then be sure to let the client know you're putting them in touch with so-and-so who's your web design expert, and then you leave all communications, contracting and invoicing up to that VA and the client. Remember that the traditional VA business model is you get started on your own as a sole operator, but of course over time you find that your income is limited by the amount of hours you can work. So in an attempt to build your practice, you start to subcontract to a network of VAs and get a small commission for the work you send them. If you seek to centralise and control the flow of work, however, you begin to look like a normal employing business. Team pages have the potential to make you look like this. You can legitimately set up team pages if you'd like to become, say, a network or marketing business, advertising the services of specialist team members in exchange for either a monthly payment or commission on work referred. You must look at where the contractual relationship is between the service provider and the client or the service provider and the marketing business, that is, the owner of the team page. 
If the owner of the team page becomes the receiver of the payments from clients for work done by members of the team, then arguably you look like a traditional business with employees, no matter how you try to set it up to say differently. If you run one of these team pages on your website, and I do know that a number of VAs do, because as I said, I've seen more and more of them cropping up on various websites. In order to make the model work, you can indicate the others on your team, but the client must pay them directly, not you, the person running the site or the page. You could then charge a fee to have people listed on your team page or ask for a finder's fee for any work that comes through the site. In this way, you as team leader are providing a genuine marketing service so could charge a monthly or yearly fee, for example, like a network, and or a commission for work that comes through. As long as you do this and are not paid directly by the client for those specific services being performed by the team page members, then this is a safer system in terms of the questions that will come from payroll tax workers comp and so on. The minute the head VA is organising it by taking the brief for what the job has to be, then instructing someone else on the team to do the job, Under common law, he or she immediately begins to look like they're controlling the other person instead of that person controlling themselves. It starts to no longer look like a commercial relationship and you move into these grey areas, particularly around control. What happens when the client isn't happy? Who's liable? The team leader or the member of the team? This is something you've really got to be careful of because if you're promoting the services of these various team members on your page, does the client go back to them? They should if you want to avoid any of these problems. If you want to list different specialties on your site and have a team, in order for it to work safely for everybody involved, you'd either have to link out, as I said, to the other person's site, or the client would approach you with a request and you contact your team page member, passing on the client lock, stock and barrel. For that, you either get a finder's fee or some kind of payment for listing the services of the team members. You become a marketing service or kind of like a network. Now, that doesn't mean you have to run your team like a network, but that becomes the basic model for what you're doing. Responsibility for rectification should lie with the person doing the work, but the head VA can of course stay in touch with the client to ensure that everyone's happy. As soon as you want to control it, the money, the flow of work, the relationship with the client, then you look like an employer and have moved away from being an independent contractor. Your system, your behaviour starts to reflect this and you then get pulled into the employment arrangements. You have to have clarity in what it is that you're trying to achieve. VAs want to be able to grow their business and the fact of the matter is as a sole operator you can't do this if you don't have skills in the area required by clients or if you end up working to capacity but don't want to have to turn clients away. The multi-VA practice is one method constantly promoted here and overseas as a viable way of doing just that. Having other VAs you can call on either on a subcontract arrangement or work referral arrangement with or without a finder's fee is the best way for a sole operator who doesn't want to actually employ staff to expand their service offering and grow their business. But you must be aware of the potential problems that you might face and you must be sure you set it up in an arm's length kind of way to avoid the suggestion you are in fact employing these team members and not subcontracting, outsourcing or referring work to them. Now, of course, the other side of the coin is if you're a VA listed on one of these team pages, then this can be a great way to help promote your services, and it's great that you're working with your colleagues in a synergistic way. But you should also be aware of potential problems you might face from these types of listings. If down the track the head VA is found to be an employer of your services, then potentially you could be deemed an employee, which would mean any business-related expenses you've claimed during the course of working with this VA may be subject to repayment. 
This could include business deductions, superannuation payments you may have made and any co-contributions that the government has made on those super payments. There could also be fines applicable. Be sure to ask the VA who owns the site to have your business details included so there's no doubt that you yourself are working independently. And you should also ensure that any link included for contact information goes to you so that you can deal with clients directly. All this being said, there's a disclaimer. Since a lot of this information relates to legislation, it's going to apply to each individual on an individual basis. You'll need to seek your own advice to find out how this might apply to you based on your own circumstances. What I've discussed in today's show is the state of play as it stands right now in April 2011. If you found and are listening to the show much later than its original date of going to air, things might have changed. Governments change. Legislation changes. Be sure to get your own independent advice on anything related to legislation and regulations pertaining to business. I'm Lynn Prowse-Bishop. Thanks so much for listening. 